Aren't you glad we have a great God? We really do. Also, I want to welcome uh, those uh, Corvette drivers that came this morning. Uh, there you are. I see Denny and y'all. God bless you. We appreciate you being with us. So let me encourage you that right after service, you need to run out there and look at those vets. You'll probably end up wanting to buy one. The only problem is they cost too much money today. But uh, uh, we appreciate you all being with us today. And uh, hope that the club goes well. I think you're going to graze right after the service. So have a good meal. Like to return your Bibles if you have one, or you can just look at the screen there. I just took out an old message because today I just wanted to, to uplift the Lord. I just, I just want to praise Christ for who he is, what he's done for us. And so if you don't mind me doing that, Isaiah chapter 43, a couple of my favorite verses. Isaiah 43, verse 10 and 11. Ye are my witnesses, saith the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, that you may know and believe me. And understand that I am he, before me there was no God formed, and neither shall there be after me. I, even I, am the Lord, and beside me there is no Savior. And then he says, Thus saith the Lord, the King of Israel, and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first, I am the last, and beside me there is no God. That's the great truth right there. Uh, you can go to other religions, and I'm going to look at those here very quickly, and you don't find any hope whatsoever. Seems like our country's becoming a melting pot, and uh, we have all kinds of religions in our country now, and uh, because of our freedom, and they're saying equal tolerance means equal credibility, and that's not true. And I'm going to show you why there is a difference when you compare the religions or leaders' viewpoints from being contrasted with Jesus Christ. It's night and day. Uh, I think of some of the religions, animism, millions in Africa and the South Seas. They say not humans but inanimate objects possess a spirit or soul in them. They're not interested in the true God because they believe he, God, turned man over to the lesser gods after he created man. Also, they believe that they can pass a, their own spirits into objects like a stone, a tree, a bird, a crocodile, something like that. And this has led to reincarnation, and that's in a lot of in a lot of religions, isn't it? Most live with very little moral laws and the people live in fear of this dark spiritual world. Uh, they believe there are evil spirits in objects, uh, whether it's a rock or a snake or black magic or voodoo. I remember I was watching uh, Discovery Channel one time and on there, they, they had a river and a tribe lived near it. And the tribe very seldom would ever go down to the river because they believed the river, it had evil spirits in it. And that was kind of their mentality. Then you have the religion of Asia in India, the Hindu religion. It began back in 1500 B.C. 
used to be to be a Hindu, one had to be born one. It's the only major religion that has a, a caste system. Uh, a caste means, is varna, meaning color. It's a color system of segregation. At the top of the group is the Brahmins. That's the highest caste. They're the priests of the Hindus. And then you have the next one that are the noblemen. Then the third one that are the merchant people. And down the lowest caste, you have what's known as the sudras. And uh, they're the uh, lowest caste. Uh, they have little hope of salvation. Uh, they're not even permitted to read the holy books. They can't even get close to the, the higher caste, uh, the Brahmins. Uh, they have to stay 64 feet away from them. And uh, so it's a, it's a crazy system. But... What they promote, they promote polytheism. And what that is, many gods. And uh, Hinduism has 330 million gods that they've counted. They have gods, uh, goddesses everywhere. It also teaches what's known as pantheism. That means the universe, everything, is God. The invisible world, your soul, the part that's in us that's real... But the rest of the world is only an illusion. It does not exist. Our body does not exist. Pain does not exist. Then through a number of reincarnations, thousands of them, and uh, they have to go through a lot of suffering to pay for their past, <laughs> but after all these reincarnations, one can finally hit nirvana. And nirvana is where you become extinct and you cease to be reborn into further recycles of life. And their soul drops back off into the ocean and ceases consciousness, uncon or consciousness. Uh, sounds like fun, doesn't it? <laughs> really not a whole lot of hope. Their happiness is that their self becomes part of the overall supreme spirit of the universe. Then about 560 B.C. in northern India, there was a born a prince, Siddhartha Gautama, however you say his name. He was very wealthy. He was shielded in his palace. But at the age of 29, he wanted to go out and experience the world. And he went out and he saw the illnesses the sicknesses, the diseases, the dying. For six months, he observed this. And then he came to the sense, the reason for all of the suffering. And he said it was ignorance. He became known as Buddha, okay? Uh, not a religious founder, actually. He was a psychologist and concerned for people's emotions and desires. He said his premise was... People suffer because they desire things they can't have. Just, you know, cease to desire things and your suffering will stop. And you'll reach nirvana quicker. <laughs> a Buddhist doesn't admit that there is a capital G-O-D God or any other God, actually. Then in 551 B.C., King Kung Futsa... He was from China. His name is Confucius. And he, he thought and 
made some quaint, simple, interesting statements, uh, not of religion, but in his sayings. He was questioned one time, what about life after death? His answer is, how can we know about death when we don't even know about life? And so he would say these interesting answers, but he offered no hope. Then there's Shintoism in Japan. That's where ancestors and nature are worshipped. There are no, there's no afterlife. As a matter of fact, they worship as a god, the emperor, until 1945 when they surrendered at the end of World War II to America at that time. And then you have in Africa and the Middle East and now in America, Islam. Uh, Allah is their god. Muhammad is their prophet. It came on the scene actually about 600 A.D. after the death of Christ. And Muhammad is the one who's responsible for giving them the Koran that teaches a work salvation. If you're bad at the balancing, standing before Allah, if your good deeds outweigh your bad deeds, you get to go to paradise. And if you're really good and you submit to Allah, it offers a central sexual paradise for the men. doesn't mention the women, that's interesting, but for the men. Islam, the way it spreads is by community work and getting people engulfed in it and safety and stuff like that. And you go up to Michigan and some of the cities up there are complete uh, Muslims. I've been up there, and uh, it, it's, it's unbelievable. They have uh, their the Islam, the writings on the banks, the businesses, the doctors, the grocery stores. It's, it's, it's a community within a country, and there are thousands and thousands and thousands of them uh, up north up there. But the main way that they spread their faith is by the conquest or the sword and uh, convert or die. As a result of that, millions of Catholics and Protestants unwilling to renounce their faith have been killed by them. They actually worship the moon god. Uh, that's why they have a crescent on their flag, if you see that. And it's kind of interesting. In Sudan, when one becomes a true believer of Christ, their lifespan is 30 days. That's their lifespan because they will be taken care of by the, by the Islam and the Muslim. Then there's Judaism. Judaism, a biblical religion. They believe in prayer, repentance, keeping the Ten Commandments, the law, making society better. They're very, very liberal. And today, most Jewish people are agnostics. Uh, they are unbelievers. But we know what the Bible says, that one day in the future, Israel will be saved. And I'm grateful for that hope for them for one of these days. Now, all these leaders and religions, they teach us something, sometimes some things that's good, that's morally right, or, you know, in a God, a small g, a God, and on and on it goes. But what a difference when you contrast what they teach and what Christians believe in Jesus Christ. 
we anchor our faith in three major truths. And it's true uh, throughout Christianity. And the first one is this here, Christ's life and his birth. You know, God one day, he came into this world in flesh, and he personally came to this world. It states in Matthew chapter 1, verse 25, and knew her not, Joseph didn't know Mary till, that means he did afterward, he had, Mary had children afterward, she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. John chapter 1, verse 1 says, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. And the word was made flesh. That God became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the apostle says. So, what I'm saying to you, one day, by way of virgin birth, Jesus Christ came into this world, God in flesh. Even Buddha, Confucius, Muhammad, Allah, never made this claim, but Jesus Christ makes this claim. He said, before Abraham, I am. The Micah says, the Lord Christ, whose goings forth are from old and from everlasting. Pilate asked him if he, if he was the son of God, and he said, I am. Jesus Christ claimed to be God in flesh. Jesus Christ, his godhood, it was confirmed by his life because he lived a perfect, sinless life. He's the only sinless life that the world has ever seen. Only Jesus. Jesus never modified a statement he ever made because he was always right. Jesus never apologized for anything. He was never wrong. Jesus never sought advice of man. He knew everything. Unlike Confucius, who was not educated at all, unlike Buddha, who never was enlightened with truth, unlike Muhammad, who neither could read or write, <laughs> Christ never was taught or educated by man because he knew everything. He even knew man's thoughts. He's the one who lectured the doctors, the PhDs, the Pharisees, the scribes, government officials, business minds, by the age of 12. Jesus never once justified his behavior. He was always right. <laughs> Jesus didn't have a strong point. That would indicate he had a weak point. And he didn't have any weak points. He was omnipotent, all-powerful. Jesus was perfectly balanced. And always remember, and don't forget this, even though he was the God-man, he always remained God. Always. From eternity, even through Christ. Always. Colossians 2.9 states this here. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. He never ceased to be God. Always God. So, one of our anchors of faith is in the life the sinless life of Christ, of who he is. The second anchor we have is in the crucifixion, is in the cross. 
You see, Christ came to accomplish something that no other religious person or a leader of people, founder, could ever do. And the reason is he came to die, not just teach, but to die for our sins, to die in our place. Confucius died because people didn't follow him. Buddha died from food poisoning. But Jesus gave his life. He said, no man takes it, I give it. He gave his life for man. What a difference. I've given this story before, but it fits here. I want to give it again. Say you fall into a pit. It's deep, vile, filthy. And in that pit, there's a huge serpent trying to bite you. He's full of poisonous venom. The animus, he sees evil spirits in everything. So he tries to flee, but he can't. Unlike the man who's running in the graveyard at night, kind of frightened, and he falls into a grave that had been dug that day. And he tried and tried to get out until finally he heard a voice behind him say, I've tried, you just can't get out. And he got out. (laughs) But the evil spirits will catch up with the animus. Confucius says, a great man never falls in a pit. So watch where you walk. The Hindu Brahman says, you just think you're in a pit. The error is in your mind. It's a mere illusion. Think, there is no pit. There is no serpent. All is well. Peace. The Muslim says, I'll help you take my hand. And halfway up, he says, will you convert to Islam? And you say no, and he drops you back down into the pit. The Buddhist, he says, the reason you're suffering is you desire to get out of the pit. Stop desiring. You won't desire to get out of the pit. Just stop and just say, I don't want to get out of the pit. Then you'll be no more miserable or afraid. Now, all these people and religions, they give you, truthfully, no hope. But now there's Jesus Christ. He sees you through his compassion and eyes. He cares for you. He loves you. He leaps into that vile, filthy, dangerous pit. He gets between you and that huge serpent. The serpent strikes with vengeance. Jesus is hit. The serpent's fangs go into the side of Jesus. The poison begins to flow through Christ's body. But Jesus then lifts you up out of that pit safely. He dies, but you live. That's a Savior. That's somebody who saves you. That's the difference between Jesus Christ and these other ways or religions. Christ deliberately died for our sins, paid the penalty of our sins in order that he might save us. Romans 5, 8 says this here. But God commendeth his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, what? 
Christ died for us. 2 Corinthians 5, 21. For he hath made him, Christ, to be sin for us, who knew no sin, he was sinless, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. He takes our sin himself and gives us his righteousness. And it's that righteousness he gives us freely that allows us to be accepted in the beloved. John 19.30 says this here. When Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. He said, The reason I came to this world has been accomplished. It's been finished. It's done. Everything necessary to save has been completed. The third anchor that we have in our faith is the resurrection. Confucius died and was buried. The Hindu leaders died and were buried. Buddha died and was buried. Muhammad died and he was buried. And they're all still there, buried. Uh, Jesus Christ died and was buried. But Jesus Christ was and is the only one who rose from the grave in a glorified body three days later. The scriptures say he is not here. He is risen. Why seek ye the living among the dead? And as a result of that, he gives us the gospel that can save a person today. 1 Corinthians 15.1, this is our national anthem in a sense. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel, which I preached unto you, which also you have received, and wherein you stand. Verse 3, for I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, I believed it, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. That's called the gospel. That's the finished work of Christ. Romans 4, 24 and 5 says, But for us also, to whom it shall be imputed, placed to our account, if we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered for our offenses, the cross, and was raised again for our justification. That means to give us a right standing and acceptance before Almighty God. Jesus Christ's finished work there gives us believers the reason we have this assurance, the reason we have this hope. We have hope in life, we have hope in death, and we have hope in the afterlife because Christ has removed the fear of it. He's told us, he's taking us to heaven one day. And soon... He's coming back to take us to heaven. That's why Paul said in Titus 2.13, he says this here, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. That blessed hope. He's going to appear one day, and we're going to be caught up to meeting in the clouds, and so shall we ever be with him. We're going to go to heaven with him that day. But also, understand this. As our Savior, he will do that. 
But if I am left behind and I will not be saved, I will be judged by this Son of God. John 5, 22 says, says this, For the Father judgeth no man, but hath committed all judgment unto who? The Son. That's why Paul says in Romans 2, 16, In the day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ. Now get this, according to my gospel. Not the gospel, the Old Testament, and so on, but the gospel revealed to Paul. The fact that Christ died for our sins, he was buried, he rose again, that's sufficient, that's enough to wash away man's sins and give him eternal life. That alone. There's nothing you can do to help God save you. Everything you need has been accomplished by Christ alone. All you need to do is believe that in your heart. There's no other way. No other way is acceptable. Only Jesus Christ, God's own son, the Father's chosen way to salvation is a way that a person can go to heaven. Let me ask you right now at this moment, if you were to die, bam, just like that, where would you go? Would you go to heaven or would you go to hell? Now, I know in a lot of churches you don't hear this word hell a whole lot, but that's where you go when you die in unbelief of Christ. But you can go to heaven. You see, today he wants to be your savior. He doesn't want to see you later to be your judge. Amen? Let's just bow our heads and our hearts even at this moment. If you're here today without Christ, not knowing where you will go, let me encourage you here. Even at this moment, will you say, this is for me? I believe this in my heart. And if you will, he'll save you this very moment. Say a simple prayer like this. It's not the prayer that saves you, but it's the prayer that comes from your heart because you believe it's true. This is for me. Dear God, just in your heart right now, dear God, I know I'm a sinner. Please forgive me. I do believe with my whole heart that Jesus Christ is your son who died for my sin was buried and I believe rose again I believe what he did is enough to save me right now God I believe and if you prayed that prayer and you meant that in your heart, God says, he'll save you. It's by grace through faith alone, nothing else. You can look up toward me if you would. I was thinking while I was preparing this of Les Feldy, who recently has gone to be with the Lord, and... Uh, Les was telling about at his ranch there something about a locust 
and it got caught in a cobweb. And the more he did try to get out on his own, the more entangled and captive he became. Until finally he couldn't move. And when the spider saw that, he began to march toward his prey. And right at the last second, Les said he took his knife out and he cut around that web and the locust fell to the ground and got up and flew away. As he was saying, he must have been singing, redeemed, redeemed. Huh? That's what Christ does for us. We're entangled with sin and we, on our own efforts, joining a church, being baptized, giving your money, all that stuff, that has nothing to do with saving you. And we just try, try, and we get more entangled, and then there's old Satan coming down to put the final nail in our coffin. But in a moment of faith, God cuts us out of that in webness, and we're set free. Thank God for salvation today. Amen. I'm going to have Rachel come at this time. We're going to sing one last song. And uh, I hope she doesn't get tired singing this song, Rachel. I like this song. And uh, by the way, uh, if you're here this morning and you'd like to become a part of the church right at the end of service, just come up. We'll meet you here at the front. And we'd love for you to be a part of our church here. I've asked Rachel to sing this. Why don't we all stand as she sings it? I think it's fitting. Son of God, yet Son of Man, and who laid down his life and rose to live again, who rides the clouds of glory, whose kingdom never ends. There is no other Worthy 
the son of righteousness, worthy of the you received a blessing from today's broadcast. We would love to have you visit with us in person. For more information, please visit our website at gpnd.net or contact us by phone at 317-535-3512. You can watch us live and view past services on our website, Facebook, or YouTube channel. Until next broadcast, may God richly bless you as our prayer.